my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the HR Sound Off podcast show. My name is Julie Turney. I am your host, and we're going to have another great conversation with an HR professional who I truly appreciate and admire, Judon Bowden, joining me from beautiful Jamaica. How are you doing today, sir? <laughs> Hello, Julie. I'm very well, thank you. It's bright and sunny today, so that's a good thing. Oh, I hope you're, you're all safe and sound from the passing of, of those storms. Yeah, Grace Grace visited us for a short while. Uh-huh. Um, no major damage, which is good. So we're, good. we're back to normal. Awesome, awesome. So it's great to have you here today, Judon. And, and you are very well known in the industrial relations space. And I thought it would be great for us to have a conversation, especially surrounding the hot topics right now in HR around mandatory vaccinations in organizations. I really want to get your take on that. But, you know, just talk about, um, in general, about some of the hot topics that are happening right now in HR and the IR space in the Caribbean, because there's quite a lot for us to talk about. So um, let's kick things off first by you telling everyone your HR origin story. Who is Judon? How did you get here? Where do you work now? What position do you hold? Break it down for us. <laughs> All right, great, no problem. Let's start the journey. So, Jordan Bowden, I, I, I didn't, I wouldn't say I accidentally came into HR. I think it was more purpose driven. My mother saw something that I didn't see from what, when I was in high school. Your mother. And she was kinda, yeah, she was wow. kind of directing my my university path to say, "Hey, you're a very strong people person. You're very passionate about people. You're very passionate about about things." So channel that energy this way uh-huh. um, and, I, and I guess the fact that I, I hated math at that time so yeah <laughs> said, okay let's read the books then since you cannot do the math read the books so <laughs> <laughs> to your surprise that HR is all about math too huh <laughs> all about math so my, my appreciation for math and for for numbers has grown tremendously mm-hmm. uh, over the last couple of years but I think my mom was very instrumental in me going into HR and also when I started my career very young, there were things that I would see in the organization that you were studying in school, that you said it, it's not the same reality what you're learning in school in the organization. So you, mm-hmm. I was agitating for changes and I was very vocal as a young man mm-hmm. working in the banking sector at the time. Nice. And, you know, they were saying, Judon, if you have so much passion about it, let's let's go to the union meeting and voice those, voice those opinions. Wow. And... I got my first taste of the of a union meeting. I did a mass tunnel meeting one day. Mm-hmm. And I stood up asking a reel of questions and I was challenging the the union leader at the time, you know, just being very passionate and very young and you know, youthful exuberance at the time. And I said, No, this is not the way. Um, I think if I'm gonna be making that sort of change, 
we need the union support, but I think we should do it from a management perspective. How can we influence the management better yeah. to drive it and kind of shift the narrative from, hey, we want this, 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 or else, to how can we make this work so that management or company can benefit, employee can benefit, customers can benefit. So there's a full spectrum. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's, that's how the origin started. I was knocking on the HR, well, for HR particularly, I would send a lot of proposals in to the HR department at the time because I was in the operations working in the branch at the bank. But each time something popped up in my head, I would write a nice one-page proposal and I would submit it to the HR director or to the HR department at the time. And, you know, you did a lot of submissions that you'd, you'd never hear mm. any response, not even acknowledge receipt. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, so it, it took me a while to really get that... Um, ears of the HR team then. And you know what happened was they had a college fair up by University of the West Indies. They wanted volunteers to help with the college fair. Okay. You know, persons to either set up, manage the booth, or conduct interviews. And I quickly raised my hand to say, you know what, I want to be a part of this. Nice. And I went and I went with one one thing in mind which was to make a very good impression because I knew the HR leadership would have been there mm -hmm. and I wanted to make a very good impression to them. And I just, I did just that. And soon after they started putting a face to the name, oh, you are Judon. So, <laughs> so <laughs> said, oh, you are Judon. I know, okay, they were reading the proposals, but yeah. they were just not yet ready for them. Uh -huh. And it so happened that, I think within a couple of months of that, I was asked to come and support a particular project. And I did that for, I think, nine months. And immediately after that, they offered me a full-time opportunity in HR as wow. the IR specialist. Nice. The, the funny thing about that, all those proposals I was sending in was on the desk waiting for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so here are some good wow. ideas. I implement them. So, uh -huh. yeah. That's the origin for me in terms of coming into the HR space. Yeah. And I've really loved that journey to date and I have no regrets whatsoever. Awesome. You have an amazing story and I thank you so much for sharing it. I, I got to ask you because, you know, HR is known as a predominantly female profession. Yeah. Um, at any point in time, did you feel intimidated about taking this journey, knowing that you were going into a profession that is predominantly dominated by women? At some points I did, especially because you had a, you had a lot of bright women. They were extremely bright. Mm -hmm. And you didn't, I, as a young man, you didn't want to come across as less capable. Mm -hmm. So that's where, that's where the pressure was for me. But I was fully embraced, you know, Persons like my natural thinking style, they like my curiosity. And so I was fully embraced and I got a lot of support. All my, my managers, I've only had one male manager yeah. since I've been in HR. All wow. my, my managers have been females, very brilliant, strong women that, you know, just take HR to another level each time. Mm -hmm. so, so no, no, no fears per se, just the fact that I'm going, I'm now interacting with very very bright, intelligent woman, and just to measure up where that is concerned. Yeah. yeah, nice. That's good. You know, what advice would you give for young men? I think that 
in HR, we are still seeing it as a very small minority position where men come in, step in. And if they step in, a lot of times you get men who end up in the high positions. Um, What advice do you have for young men listening to this podcast who are probably looking to take on a career in HR, thinking about it, straddling, sitting on the fence? What advice would you give them? First advice is that you're needed. You know, the more diversity we can have in, a, in our profession, it's the richness of thought and experience that can, that can, can come from that. Mm-hmm. I would also say HR, widen your thinking and thought process around what HR is. It's no longer about the filing of the paper or the attending of the meeting and taking the notes. No. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you have expertise in statistics, in data management, yeah. In, in science, because right now, HR also is the chief medical officer for the organization. Oh, yeah. So whatever, whatever your passion is, I'm sure you can contribute in the HR space for it. So mm-hmm. fear not that there's no value that you can create. Yeah. Be curious about it, explore it, and you should find a footing somewhere. Absolutely. I got to agree with you on on so many levels there. And I think you raised so many things, um, great points about being data driven. Um, Yeah, not no longer being process driven. And I think that a lot of guys who are sitting in that space of being very analytical and data driven will do very well as being HR analysts. Um, yes, that's a great space for um, for guys to sit um, and girls alike, but for guys to sit especially. And I think the more we become, the more we read our data, and the more we become more analytical and and, and realize that we can use that data to drive processes and policies and drive change in the organization. Um, the more we realize that you know more you know, the diversity of thought is needed. And when we think about diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace and diversity, equity, and inclusion in HR, when you're looking to fill a role and you're looking to be diverse and inclusive in your recruitment search, um, consider men to fill those roles. Um, Diversity is not just about race right it's it's a whole lot more than that and for for us as females sitting in 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 a space where we are very dominant do we really take the time to think about sexes and are we filling our spaces with men or um anyone who is needed from the lgbtq community are that is qualified are we stepping up and making sure that we are walking the talk of being diverse and inclusive in the HR space. So I'm so glad that you um, followed through with what your mother saw and that you're here contributing to the HR space because we're definitely grateful. Every time I listen to you talk um, and share your knowledge and your expertise, I'm always blown away. and really appreciative. I always learn something new every time I talk to you or I hear you speak. So thank you so much for being here, staying committed and, and staying here. You've picked a really challenging place to sit in terms of industrial relations because it's one of those um, things. I mean, we say industrial relations, the rest of the world says compliance. 
um, yeah. either way, the same thing. And um, it's a very awkward space to sit in from time to time, especially as you work with unions. It's one of the things that I have always shied away from in my HR career. So I, I have no union experience whatsoever. I've always chosen to, I've always heard through my HR colleagues, really bad experiences about interacting with the union. So it always made me shy away from taking on positions where I'd have to interact with the union. Um, but tell me, like, through your experience as an industrial relations expert, like, what have been, what have been some of your highs and lows? Like, give us like some of the high moments, some of your, where you felt like you really made a difference in that space and times when you, and, and you know, your, your defeats and your triumphs. Yeah. yeah, this, this one is rated, elements of this are rated PG-13, okay? So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure our listeners are of age. <laughs> yeah, so I would say high moments, I would say 2008, nine that period when the world was going through the economic crisis I was working in the banking sector at the time and everywhere you turned everybody was given zero percent increase or everybody was just it was a very down time for the financial sector mm -hmm. and the union for some strange reason submitted a proposal that they wanted 35 percent increase wow <laughs> So the world was crumbling around us, but the union saw opportunity long before everybody else did. Um, so, you know, we said, okay, this will not catch us off guard. We went ahead, myself and my, my supervisor at the time, Maximilian Campbell, a very, very knowledgeable guy. Very, very, has been very influential in my own development as an IR practitioner as well. But what, what we sat, we stepped back and what we did was we designed a proposal and we called it, um, we, had, we had three names for it. We have, meal we have regular deal and bigger deal. It was kind of coined from the whole KFC concept. KFC is big in Jamaica, so you know, uh -huh. regular deal. Meal. Yeah, so we designed a proposal with three options in mind. And each option had something that everybody would want. And what we did, we pretty much, once we completed designing, we got the sign off from the board and everything. We went and we sold this proposal to the unions to say, forget about what you submitted, forget about everything else. Let's look at how realistically we can maintain these jobs. We can allow persons to go home adequate enough to take care of themselves and their family. Mm -hmm. And we can allow business to, to, to prevail through this, through, through this crisis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, normally when you think about union and union meetings, you're thinking about long exhaustive months of yes. preparation and process yeah and we made a record i mean the unions talk about it up to today that it was the first that they had a union meet a negotiation that took one day to sign off wow we shared the proposal with them they saw the thought they saw the thinking they saw that we were we were giving at the same time taking and making an advanced approach and each one of those union members came to the table ready and prepared to sign and they did Nice. And yeah, that was that was unheard of in our sector yeah. in the industrial relations space. It was totally unheard of, and I think it kind of set a different relationship with the union partners. Uh -huh. I mean, there are union there are union um, individuals that I've never met, and when I do meet them, oh, you're Judon, 
you're the guy that used to work at Jamaica National. Oh, we, we know about you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So <laughs> we want to work with you. We understand your reputation your precedes you. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that has been a very good thing um, and a big triumph. I think that that kind of also allowed me as a transition into different organizations to always anticipate what may be ahead and prepare well, do a lot of research, put things together, make, make good proposals and engage the union frontally. Yeah. Don't wait for them to really come to you and tell you what they want, but kind be of proactive. Give, be proactive and show them what can be done if we work collaboratively. Yeah. I think that has, that has worked for me. That is a major triumph there. I would also say when I was working in one of the most, my most difficult job today was when I was working with the energy company in Jamaica, Jamaica Public Service. And we had like five different bargaining groups, you know, and the, the company had a protracted period of negotiations that were being stalled, et cetera. And we stepped in, you know, we, we, we stepped back and looked at what was going wrong, how we could pull back some of the issues that were going to the, the Ministry of Labor, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Looked at those and we decided, hey, let's, let's come together, resolve these issues with the union so that we can remove the blocker from the negotiation process. Because what you'll find at times is that everything goes in front of the of the real outcome yeah, yeah. just to get the outcome that you want yes. so you, have to, you have to really step back do a little political dance as well mm -hmm. but i think what is important is that always be mindful of the end game and what you want to achieve yeah that's a triumph i would say <laughs> interesting times i mean uh, i've had some very testy conversations around the table yeah i mean there, there, there was one point when you know, as a, as a intimidating, intimidating tactic, a particular union officer brandished a weapon to say, hey, what you're talking is foolishness, so let's not go any further or else I'm going to have to get violent. What? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, I took it as a very in, intimidatory tactic, you know, kind yeah. of to diffuse, diffuse the situation. Uh -huh. uh, but in that moment, I was shocked, you know, because it, it's not something that I would have been accustomed to. Uh -huh. um, and we, we look at it now, we laugh at it. The, the union officer and I are very good friends. So it, it wasn't, there was no ill intent there at all. Yeah. But I found that very, very scary. Yeah. And I know it couldn't happen any other jurisdiction, but probably in Jamaica, you know. So oh, that, was one of the, that was one of the, the low points as well. I, also another low point is that I made a very bad deal. It was a cost lesson. I mean, um, I was working some numbers, crunching the data. Um, I made a, made a, a very minute um, formula error in my Excel sheet. Mm. It gave me a particular um, outcome. I said, okay, this, this is gold. I can work with this. Um, didn't, didn't sense check it. That's my, that's my biggest learning. I didn't sense check it with one of my colleagues. Yeah. And I went, I went ahead because I saw, I, saw I saw the wind of opportunity. I went ahead closed it but when when I'm when I look back now to package it and send it through to finance I saw the error I'm like wow how do I recover from this given that I've exposed my company to so much um so much financial exposure and you know what I did I just I mean I discussed it with one of my, my, my mentors and he, he said you don't you have to own it it's yours to own it we are we are human beings it's gonna be costly for you Mm -hmm. may result in, in in perhaps some punitive action but yeah. you have to own it and I, I owned it up you know I even went back to the to the, the union partners explained what happened 
And I think what, what saved me and I saved the situation was the relationship I had with the union partners at the time. Because it was some union partners, it was a testy thing they would not have seen beyond my own error, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, but I owned it up. I, I created a plan of action. This is what I'm going to do to, to, to try to resolve the issue. The union is okay with, with stepping back and resolving it. Then I'll, if not, then I'll, we'll, we'll see how we work it out. And engage the union on it. They also recognized that it was a genuine error on my part. I wasn't trying to mislead them, et cetera. And they, they, you know, they worked with me to yeah. get back, to move forward. And I think that the lesson from that, it, in spite, it was a very difficult moment for me because if you're somebody who likes to do research and make sure you're, you're correct yeah. in what you're doing, it really does It's a sometimes, huge blow. Yeah, it can, it can ruin you mentally, you know? So yeah. The lesson is just step back sometime, get a second or a third opinion or eye on it. When you're when you're fully in the details that time, sometimes some things will miss you. Yes, exactly. You want to be, you want to be consistent and you want to be reliable, especially when, you, when you're working with people who are taking you for your word, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Take a step back. Yes, definitely. That's very good advice. Yeah. And very interesting defeats and triumphs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it's it's been a quite an interesting journey. Uh-huh. I tell you. I've learned a lot. Um, I've been to the, for instance, been to the, the industrial tribunal, which maybe a lot of sittings just to be hearing the same thing over and over being played. Yeah. You're into your head. If sometimes you feel as if you're wasting your time. Yeah. But these are these are valuable things because it allows you to not only prevent risk for your organization, but also mm-hmm. better able to deal with your with your people. Yeah. You know, because industrial relations is all about creating the right people experience correct right it's not it's not it's not the engagement officer or or the chief happiness officer it starts with having that right climate so that you can really build on Mm -hmm. you know yeah Mm -hmm, definitely and i can see that you're very passionate about it and and what you do and that you always want to achieve a great outcome and that's good because um, a lot of times we, we don't get that. So I'm so glad that you're here and in this space. I want to ask you one controversial question as if I haven't asked you any before, like, but <laughs> this, this in particular, because I think this is a huge one for a lot of us right now, as we go through COVID, it's always been a case of like, we don't know what we don't know, right? And um, right now I'm seeing a lot of, back and forth across the region to the detriment sometimes of government officials with um, President Gonzalez almost losing his head in St. Vincent to, you know, um, things that are happening here in Barbados. I'm seeing a lot of stuff happening in Jamaica. I read, I read the Gleaner and I read the Observer. Oh, Um, But I'm seeing a lot of conversation surrounding mandatory vaccinations we in Barbados we just finished a whole set of town hall meetings um, around it and government has decided that they will not make vaccinations mandatory but there are a lot of organizations here who are making it mandatory to the point that they're making decisions of like paying employees to take Uh. the vaccine Um, And I'm or asking them to to take the PCR test and bring the results on a weekly basis. The whole argument has been all this time. These were frontline workers 
who were still coming to work doing the work, especially in the supermarkets, gas stations, and those kind of areas. But you're not asking your customers to prove that they've been vaccinated or that they've taken a weekly PCR test. So you still want their money, but you want us as the employees to go through this. What are your thoughts yeah. on, on this as it's happening around the region? Trust me, Julie, it's one of those interesting evolutions that I'm also observing as well. Yeah. I, I look at it two ways. One, I would love if we could get behind COVID like tomorrow. And I think the, the vaccine is one of those that's going to help us to get, get to that curve quickly. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really supportive of it. And I would love if most of us or all of us could be vaccinated in a timely manner, given the resources, so that we can start seeing maybe some sense of what normal used to be. Yeah. But I also advise my friends, my own organization to say, hey, let us tread carefully on the rights of every employee. You know, what is important is that we provide the right medium where we can influence and persuade people to do the right thing, what they believe is right for them. You know, show, showcase to them the value of doing it, not only for themselves, but their families. They kind of pull out the more emotional standpoint. But I think it's an evolution that from a, from a mandatory standpoint, I think we're going to take some time to get there. One, because of the availability of it of the vaccines themselves and two because the minute you put the minute, minute you have a already an established employee population that you're going to force something on it can backfire on you right so what is important for all employers all hr practitioners seek advice before you venture into a mandate why especially because Every single employee has rights. And the right of that employee should not be infringed upon. It should be consulted mm -hmm. and there should be some level of understanding and agreement. Yes. I want to I I wanna, I wanna stop you there one second. Yes. Don't lose your train of thought. I'm glad that you said that because I think a lot of times um, organizations forget that we're not only dealing with the country's legislation, right. but there's human rights, right? The hu yes. and, and when you think of human rights, people have the right to choose, choose whether or not they will take some form of medication, whether it be life-saving or preventative. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, and I, I, I still, this is a constant conversation that even my husband and I have with regards to the vaccination. Is it really a vaccination yeah. um, if it doesn't prevent versus it being a shot? Yeah. And, you know, and, and where it reduces the possibility or, you know, versus, or the impact. Or the yeah. impact. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, semantics aside, right. it is a human right. And I'm glad that you raised that. Continue. Yeah, definitely. So I want I want us to look at it from that lens and make sure that dialogue is important. As, as HR leaders, we have to lead with the right dialogue. Remember, these are the same employees that we celebrate when they do well. So if they have doubts, if they have fears, if they have concerns, we need to step up and lead the organization through clarifying those doubts you know, addressing those fears as best as we can. 
Um, and there's a lot of things coming through to the different media that they're also absorbing. Yeah. You know, so we, we need to create a safe space for them to be able to express that and don't feel as if, if I'm not vaccinated then I am the one creating this unsafe working environment. Mm -hmm. That should not be the, the case and we should not allow any of our employees to feel that way. Yeah. Because the minute, the minute somebody raises their hand, they say, oh, that person is an anti-vaxxer. Well, that's not the case. The person really may have some serious, genuine concerns exactly. that they want to be addressed. Mm -hmm. It's our opportunity to identify those, clarify as best as we can, and, and allow, allow everybody to feel comfortable and re respect the right of every single individual. There are persons that will not be able to participate because of medical scenarios, religious scenarios, or just generally that they just don't want to participate. We have to respect that. Yeah. And for yeah. those who can, similar to change management approach, there are some early risers, you focus on the early risers, yeah. then you have some persons you have to convince, and you convince those persons until, until you reach the end of the chain. Exactly. You know? That's, yeah. that's the approach that I normally recommend and I encourage others to take. I, I, I respect that and I hear it. Yeah, I, I want to I share my story. Yes, please. So <laughs> my mom went to get vaccinated when we had, we, um, they had people coming through your district and they were doing vaccinations in your district. So my mom went to get her vaccination done and she said to me do you want to come and get yours and I was like sure so my mom goes and stands in the line from like about 11 30 a.m on a Saturday morning and I said to her well I'm doing some laundry call me when you're close my mom calls me at 5 p.m to tell me okay she there's like 13 people in front of her come now so I go and when we get to the front of the line after they've taken our IDs and stuff, when we get to the front of the line and it's my turn, they ask me, do you have any allergies? And I said, well, yes, I'm allergic to aspirin. I'm allergic to shellfish. Um, and I do have um, deep vein thrombosis history in my family. And they were like, whoa, whoa. Okay, we can't give you this vaccine here. You need to go to our local polyclinic to get the vaccine. They gave me this um ticket and they say take this to the polyclinic and you don't have to stand in a line just go tell them why you're there and they'll take care of you so they that was a Saturday the following Friday is when they sent me to the polyclinic so I go to the polyclinic Friday when I get there the area is in complete chaos there's no order no yeah. nothing there's a tent where vaccinations are taking place but they are they were vaccinations for cold and flu. And the rest of people are just standing around trying to figure out what's going on. A nurse comes outside and she's like, I want one line for all the people who have appointments, one line for all the people who have come for vaccinations. So I, uh, the doctor told me don't stand in the line because yeah. I received the um, instructions from the chief medical officer. And he said, don't stand in the line, just go in, talk to the guard, but they weren't letting you in. So when the nurse came outside and she's giving her instructions, I stay back. Then I walk up to her and I say, I just want to ask one question because I was sent by the chief medical officer. And she says, I don't care who you were sent by. If you are here for an appointment, go in this line. If you are here for vaccinations, you go in this line. They were not social distancing, nothing. So this was like almost very early. 
Yeah. Then she comes back outside and she says, if you're not social distancing, I'm not letting anyone in. But like she's doing this in the most Beijing. If you ain't in this line yeah. properly, I ain't letting nobody in. And so if you're not social distancing, I'm not letting anyone in. And there was a police officer, off-duty police officer that came to get her vaccination. And she stepped out of the crowd and said, listen, guys, I'm an off-duty police officer. We all are here to get some, you know, get something done. Let's be orderly about it. I'm just asking everyone to step back a couple, six feet, six steps apart to make sure we're properly social distanced. Nobody moved. Nobody moved. Nobody <laughs> moved. People were arguing about who was there first, who was there second, how this body getting you laying in front of them and all this kind of stuff. And I said, you know what? So far, I've been blessed not to catch COVID. Yeah. I don't know who in this line got COVID, who ain't got COVID, and I'm not dealing with nobody rubbing up on me. So I walked away. Yeah. And I called my mom and I called my husband at the same time. I was like, listen, I am not doing this. These people are not ready. That was like March this year. My yeah. mom is fully vaccinated because obviously she had no, no um, allergies or anything like that. So she's now fully vaccinated, but I'm still waiting. Um, because I can't do that. I can't deal with the disorder and the confusion. Yeah. I have my own questions. Like from the moment they were like, what, they asked me what my allergies, if I had allergies, and I thought, and they were like, whoa, 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 yeah, yeah. Like, no, 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 we're yes. not taking responsibility. That offset me. That made me yeah. very afraid that, oh my goodness, is this thing going to affect my allergies? Is this thing going to kill me? Like, is it going to give me a clot? And I mean, I've listened to lots of people talk since then, doctors, you name it, talk about the one in one million chance of you getting clot and dying and all that kind of stuff. That's not my issue. I just rather take Pfizer. Like, I feel like I'd rather take Pfizer. So now Pfizer is here. I'm patiently waiting for my opportunity to take the Pfizer vaccine. Like, I feel that's the one I will take the chance on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Your story is a real story because there are many others like you who just have a preference, have a situation that they just need to a level of comfort with. Yeah. And and, and even the whole execution of the the vaccination program as well, persons are avoiding it Mm -hmm. because it doesn't provide the right sort of social distance and all of, that, all of those stuff yeah, yeah and the thing is like sometimes i wonder why government does pay guards like that's a whole other story yeah because <laughs> <laughs> the guards were inside they could see all the mass confusion and all they had to do was help support the police officer who was yeah. off duty and just say look people step back but the guard was inside one guard was inside eating the next <laughs> guard was now bringing something to eat the nurse was at the door haggling and they weren't supporting her in any way whatsoever. I yeah. am not disclaiming this polyclinic for fear of whoever is listening to this podcast might know. <laughs> I know I'm just saying, you yeah. know, these things are happening. Yeah. I think a lot, like I saw recently, I saw um, I saw someone posted yesterday, like in the Carib HR, HR forum chat about this young lady who died in a call center. Yeah. in Jamaica and that yes. now they're looking to make it mandatory. I saw a lot of madness mm-hmm. happen at the beginning of COVID with call centers in Jamaica yeah. that had me very un- un- uneasy that you were still allowing people to work because you know you're a call center type of yeah. thing. Uh, what is your advice? 
it's so it's so strange because yeah. as well when you look at the data from the government in terms of the the spread of, of the virus it's usually the workplace yeah. workplace is the number one spread out the workplace mm -hmm. then the transportation um system so you, you, if the, the, the government has been encouraging and not necessarily mandating work from home Mm -hmm. Some companies have quickly adjusted and have either done full full work from home or part some hybrid scenario. But I really think that, that this is a call center with technology driving its business. Yeah. This can be done anywhere. Anywhere. So that risk of exposure that that management by seeing and touching mm -hmm. should be thrown away. Yeah. Give the people the latitude to, to work in their in their comfortable space do what they need to get done um, and, and be safe about doing it. Exactly. A key part of it is that we cannot focus the, a lot the, the safety and the security on what the employee responsibility is and not necessarily on what the employer yeah. responsibility is yeah. as well. The employer have a greater responsibility to provide that safe working environment, which yeah. a working environment can be anywhere. Exactly. It to be. Exactly. The, the yeah. health and safety app, clearly states that the employer has a duty of care to provide a safe space for the employee to work. And once the employee is working from home, you just need to make sure that they have the necessary thing, that, whether it's equipment, tools, and that they have a safe space to work. Um, yes. But like you said, especially for a call center, and I've, I, I've worked as an HR of a call center before, and that was if, like before I left at the beginning of COVID, I was the HR manager for part of a call center. And okay. the first thing we did was make sure everybody was able to work from home, that they had the necessary, if they didn't have their own computers, they were yeah. able to take computers home. We made sure everybody had everything that they needed in order to do their job effectively, because there's nothing you can't monitor from a, everything you monitor is, is online, whether it's online. how long they've been on a call, how soon you know if they're still listening to the necessary words the calls are recorded you can listen back yeah. to the calls you can see how many calls a person has taken during the course of a day how many chargebacks they've done like you could see all of that so Just, it was very baffling to me why why these call centers were not did not have their people home yeah i mean i mean since then majority have moved away into yeah. the home work from home scenario but there are still a few that still have the on-site working yeah. and i think the more they recognize some of these unfortunate circumstances this will sort of drive them into that into yeah. that adoption but yeah. it's unfortunate that this is what is driving them into the adoption yeah, yeah. i just feel like so many people have died judon like we should never let these people's deaths be in vain we should be trying to do better you know so Definitely. I kind of find that very discouraging, but yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. I really appreciate it. Let me ask you this. Um, what are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think our audience would enjoy? Oh, perfect. I, I mean, right now I'm reading a book called The Pause Principle. Okay. It's by, it's by a conferry CEO, Kevin Cashman. Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting book because it, what it really allows you to do is to reflect so you can lead forward. Um, I, love, I love the concepts in it. It's a very practical book um, in terms of how you manage yourself, manage your time, manage your relationships. You know, so I like that book right now. I just recently was promoted to the, to the head of HR for Red Stripe. Nice. So I'm also, 
I'm also reading the first 90 days again. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, so that, you, that that's like a student companion. You use it every time that, just to keep yourself uh -huh. um, proactive and, and, and ready for the, for the next challenge. Uh -huh. So I'm, I'm busy reading those two books. I'm watching, when I'm able to, on Netflix, a series called Manifest. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, that, that thing intrigues me so much because... Uh -huh. <laughs> Because this I, is the I, one where I, the plane disappeared. Disappeared. So uh -huh. it came from came from Montego Bay, Jamaica. So that's what interested me the first part. Ah! Yeah, the plane was called Montego Airways, uh -huh. and it disappeared for I think five years, and then landed in JFK one day. Just landed, and oh. everybody's trying to pick up the pieces. Persons have different um, brain power. All sorts of things happening. So I really like those sort of interesting unraveling. Yeah. Um, so that's really keeping me occupied as well when I do get a chance. But I always listen to, in the morning, there's a song called Essence. I don't remember the name of the, of the lady, but there's this guy, Wizkid, from, from Nigeria. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a lovely, powerful, soulful song. Okay. You know, so I, I listen to it most times in the morning as part of the whole meditating and clearing yeah. my mind before yes. the day. So I really love that. So if you can check it out as well. For sure. And, I, and kudos to you for your self-care. Because yes, again, important. <laughs> very important, very important, right. especially for the work that we do. Just me. The big question. <laughs> what is the biggest misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here, right now? Yeah, I think people... I think HR is a pleasing is a, is all about pleasing people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, oh, you go into HR because you want to please people, or you're in HR because so you should be pleasing me. And it's much wider, bigger, different than that. You know, we HR is a, is about leading the business through people, and I want people to understand that. Yes, our job enters understanding the dynamics. The influences of the of of the the psychology of people yeah. that is important in terms of your decisions and your and your implementation but it, it's not necessarily it's not just a, it's not about pleasing anybody right it's making sure that our decisions are sown they benefit the employee they benefit the business and they benefit all, all the stakeholders and that, i think that misconception each time i get an opportunity i always try to to clear it up Mm -hmm. you know especially when somebody and it comes up a lot when somebody doesn't get what they want yeah you know so yeah. you're working hard for this and it may have been delayed and mm -hmm. you know or you, you applied for this particular support and it wasn't provided yeah. and it comes up oh hr is not pleasing there's no human in hr anymore sort of thing mm -hmm. so i want persons to understand it's much broader much deeper than that there are factors yeah. that sometimes we have to consider from our vantage point that we're not able to readily share Exactly. Or can disclose that these 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 are factors that we're channeling as well. Mm -hmm. And that person recognize that. Yeah, it's not a pleasing shop. It's really right. it's a hardcore profession that requires yeah. hard decisions mixed with soft skills to ensure that the right outcome and impact is made. Exactly. We're always striving for the best income outcome, yeah. but it doesn't always happen. And there are always a lot of factors happening in the background that we can never mm -hmm. disclose that are happening there so thank you for setting the record straight on that i i love that i don't think we've had that one before so thank no. you for sharing that one yeah, man. 
Young, this is older Judon talking to younger Judon. <laughs> what advice would you give your younger self now, knowing what you know? Yeah, I would say plan less and act. You know, I, I, I always, I'm, I'm a careful planner. I'll plan out my steps, plan out my route and plan, plan everything in advance. And it has helped a lot. But I think some things you just need to just jump in and figure it out. Yeah. And I think COVID has, if, if that's taught us nothing else, is that mm-hmm. we have to just jump in because we're all figuring it out right now. Yes. We're all at the same um, capability level right now yeah. with COVID. Nobody's, mm-hmm. nobody's, is Bigger, above higher anywhere. than yet. No, no, no. So just jump in, figure it out, and don't, and don't worry too much, you know, yeah. it will always resolve itself. Some way, shape, or form. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for sharing that. So, where can our people find you on social media? Because people need to connect <laughs> with you, Judon. People need to know you. Yeah, man, definitely. So, my my what I adopted was I love everything HR. So my handle is for everything HR. Number four, everything HR. I'm on all the major handles. I'm on I'm on Twitter. I'm on facebook i'm on instagram and i'm also active on in, on linkedin yes you are on don bowden if you type in in, in google search don bowden everything will come up yeah i made sure i curated that part nice nice <laughs> yeah nice. very important that's how we that's a lesson in marketing yourself as an hr professional because a lot of us don't do that but yeah, it is exactly. very very important so very thank much. you for that look we could talk about a lot of different things. I feel like we definitely need to come back and have a conversation again, Judon, but thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. I really enjoyed it, Julie. Thanks for the opportunity as well. And I must commend you for for your your recent release. Thank you. (laughs) I haven't bought it just yet. It's on my my Amazon list. Uh But based on the feedback that I'm reading, it, it, you're 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 disrupting and turning things over, and you're 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 you have become the saving grace for most people, most of our HR colleagues, you know. So thank you. Thank I, you. I really admire that, and I want to commend you for for sharing that voice for our community because the more the more of us speak up, exactly. the better that we can become as a as a profession. Absolutely, absolutely, I agree with that. I believe that wholeheartedly and I know this journey that I walk is not a it's not an easy one but I have great support and having great people like you and all my other previous guests and friends in my corner and I to your point about jumping in and just doing things I have a really amazing friend Tracy Sponenberg and she always says to me you know her advice is always Julie just say yes and figure it out yes Just say yes and figure it out. Don't act like you don't know. Say yes, figure it out. Figure it out. And yes. if you need help, yeah. and if you need help, I've got your back. And I know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like, yeah, and that's that's what you need, right? So I just feel like something needs to be done, and we need to really change the perception of HR and the people in the space need to be better valued. And so I'm here for all of that. So thank you so much. Amen. Yeah, Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found this information from this episode useful. 
You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney. And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again in the next sound off.